Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. How's it going and welcome to episode 120 of On The Wire. Proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. You can follow me at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. And you can follow Kevin Hastings at Hastings Kevin. Unfortunately, we got a double dose of Kevin the last two weeks, so we will not have Kevin with us this week. Instead, I pulled a good friend of the show, Jeef Suswelli, to join me co-host of the Winds Above Fantasy Podcast right here on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Steve and Van Burnett do a great job breaking down various insights, strategies, concepts across multiple fantasy formats. They are a must-listen every Thursday right here on the Pitcher List Fantasy Baseball feed and on their own feed as well, so look for them. But in the meantime, you got them here with me right now. Steve, thanks again for coming back on the show I know you're in the middle of a move, so the fact that you were able to peel yourself away, I really appreciate it. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, I am in the middle of moving. That's never fun. Got a lot of it, or most of it done actually today, and this was like the nice recap and kickback of the day to be able to come on and be on On The Wire again, talk baseball with you. It's been a while. I was on, I think, two summers ago now, believe it or not. So feels like yesterday, but yeah. excited to be here. But <laughs> as you can see on the video, I am now literally in my in-laws basement. So yes, all of the cliches and stereotypes are true. <laughs> I am talking about fantasy baseball and podcasting about fantasy baseball in my parents, essentially basement. So yes, that is where <laughs> I am, but it's nice. It was like the first thing after I was all settled and moved all the heavy boxes was set up my little uh, studio here, which is nice. And I actually have my own room to do it. It's not a one bedroom yeah, yeah. apartment with a dog in my background and potentially, hopefully not tonight, a one-year-old crying. Yeah. <laughs> Having my own space is nice to be able to You do don't that have much control space. over that, that yeah. last aspect <laughs> if yeah, it but, happens. <laughs> but now at least I have my own room. Uh, yeah, which, and so does she. So there that's good. Go. Yeah. Nice. It is weird. All right. So it is weird to think back how many times you've moved, probably. And I don't want to speak for you, but for me, like I've moved a lot between just from all the way back from college. I lived in Florida for, for a year. I moved out to Oakland, California from Boston, Massachusetts, then moved to Indianapolis. So I moved around a lot. And the evolution of how much work I'm actually willing to do in a move mm-hmm. is like just a straight line down. So uh, <laughs> I lived in a town in Hoboken right outside the city where it's like year-long leases like in Boston, it's similar, like the Southie area, like a lot of people from after college moved there. September to August, yep. And <laughs> and it was basically a one-year lease and you live with this friend, then you move with this friend. All <laughs> those moves I always did by myself, like never even considered hiring a mover. Or um, you say, hey, I've got pizza and beer. Yeah. Come on, help me out. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This, no, we need movers. we got a storage unit. Obviously, <laughs> it's a little different being married and having a kid. You have a lot more stuff there. It's not just, okay, bring my bed and I'll figure out the rest. It was a lot more detailed and thankfully my wife is very detail oriented. So yeah, shout out to her. That helps out. 
glad the yeah. move is mostly over with. Yeah, and we can this, talk baseball. The same can be said on my better half as well. I'm, I feel you there. Thank, thankfully, we have those counterparts to even this out. Allow us to do this sort of stuff. Yeah, too. yeah and that too. Yes, of course. <laughs> All right. Like you said, we are going to talk some baseball. Finally, here we go. We do have a decent amount of news and notes that go over some call-ups, some tr- a trade, some obviously some IL stints. They always find their way into these sorts of things. Let's start off with the trade, though. We are getting closer and closer to the end of July when we are going to see more trades happen as more teams start to realize where they're at. Even with the expanded playoffs, there are going to be some teams that, all right, fine. We're not really, not really into it this year, but there are some other teams that I think are going to surprise us to become buyers this year. We'll talk about that later on next month. For, for now, we see the Mets making a trade with the Angels. They traded away, the Mets traded away Eduardo Escobar to Anaheim. Presumably, this is going to be filling the gap made by the missing Gio Oshella, who probably is missing the entire remainder of 2023 and then Anthony Rendon who also recently hit the IL once again stop me if you've heard that one before as far as Escobar goes Steve does this do more for the hole he's leaving on the Mets roster to create any kind of open playing time or does it do more for Escobar moving into a situation that obviously needs him to fill holes of their own yeah I think both I've been hoping and waiting that the Mets just play Beatty full-time. I think that they're going to be forced into that one way or the other, whether they start to turn it around and start to win some games and he's a part of that and therefore earns everyday playing time, or they go to the direction of moving towards the full youth movement and selling and then playing him because of that and they want to see what they have there. And it seems like one by one they're starting to do that, and maybe he will get some more at-bats versus lefties with the fact that they sent down Vientos. Now Escobar is traded, who could is just another body that could play third base or DH and take away at-bats from Beatty that way. I know the surface numbers aren't great for Beatty, but he's still hitting the ball hard. There's still a few more ground balls than you would like to see, and that was a little bit of a red flag even when he was mashing in the minors. But that's just a tweak or two away that could come sooner with more ample playing time. As far as for the Angels and Escobar, I think that also could be good for him too. It clearly wasn't working out in New York, being in New York and surrounded by Mets fans. They were not happy with Escobar, and I don't blame them. There was some struggles last year too. But there always seems to be like a extremely white-hot, torch-the-earth month from Eduardo Escobar. There was Every one year. last year. Yep. <laughs> I think it was in like August or September. Maybe even both months were really good for him after he was pretty dreadful. And sometimes just because of a change of scenery and LOL Mets. And of course, he could (laughs) go on the run right after they trade him. I'm interested that way, too. Like the Angels have finally this year seemingly done a good job with like depth pieces and like actually get decent MLB players and in Hunter Renfro and Brandon Drury, who's been pretty good. Like they actually have guys that are capable in those spots where it usually was just like Otani and Trout and then pray that they come up again sooner than they should on the lineup card, even though they had to field seven other barely major leaguers the last few years. So I like it too, what the Angels are doing. I think they're actually good this year. Whereas I think last year around this time, they were already starting to fade. They lost. They're always actually good, right? At the start of the season. (laughs) Yeah. And then they lost. I think Otani won, like the only games they won for a month and a half were the games that Otani pitched last year, which was absolutely insane. But they're winning other games now, which is good. I'm rooting for them. So I I think Escobar 
long story short, could run into his hot month sooner than later with the Angels now that he's going to be counted on there. I don't think Rendon's a threat even when he's healthy. He's just sure. a shell of what he was. Escobar started at third base on Saturday, his first day as an angel. Got a, got his hit in his first plate appearance. So we'll see how that continues. He was facing a righty. So obviously they need him to fill a hole now with the holes that they have. He was, like you said, a pretty strict platoon, only facing lefties. Maybe he faces a righty every blue moon with the Mets. So at the very least, I'm expecting his playing time to go up. And with playing time, gives provides opportunity to go on that patented Escobar hot streak that you mentioned. As far as the Angels go, I just got to throw that. It seems weird because you always hear about like players in a contract year playing for their next contract. It seems like the Angels are in a contract year just <laughs> to keep Otani around. It's like, hey, look, no, we're good. We really are. We want you to stay. Um, Trout's been on the record like saying that essentially yeah. in, in more <laughs> less or so words, right? Like it's a, yeah, it's a pretty crazy scenario. He's like, hey, I'm stuck here. We might as well do good to keep yeah. him around too. All right, let's get into one of those IL stints that I alluded to. It always makes their way in. We have Ramon Laureano of the A's being placed on the IL due to a fractured hand. Connor Kappel comes, returns to Oakland to take his place. Kapel, Kappel, I could probably should have looked that up. I uh, apologize to Mr. Kappel. He was basically playing the strong side of platoon when he was up for the final two weeks before getting sent back to AAA in the start of May. So with Loriano out, one should expect Kappel to go get more than his fair share of playing time in the Oakland outfield, I would assume, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And as someone who has a story Ruiz in a lot of leagues, it's strange there too because he was off yesterday after really not sitting much at all during the streak where he's basically stole like 40 bases and since the end of April. Because if you remember, he wasn't really stealing bases in the end of the year, which was strange, and then just started to do so. He sat yesterday, then he batted ninth today after he batted leadoff essentially for the last month and a half. So there's something going on in Oakland. I don't know how fantasy relevant it is because the players that they have just aren't great. It really was like just Ruiz, Ryan Noda, OBP God in OBP leagues. But other than that, there's really not much of interest, at least on the hitting end. I love myself some JP Sears, but yeah, maybe Capel can get some more playing time, but I don't know how interested I am in other than a super deep league where I have two outfielders on the IL or something like that. Yeah, I really wanted JJ Blade to be a thing. And maybe he gets more playing time here with Loriano out. Yesterday, I think. So today. there you go. He's yeah. taking advantage of those two days playing straight without an off day. But yeah, Cabell probably become he's probably still the fourth outfielder in this situation. But we'll see if he gets a little bit more, gets back into that rhythm of the very strong side of the platoon like he was before he got sent back down to triple A. Something to obviously to keep an eye out for in your very deepest 15, those main event type leagues, 15 teamers, five outfielders situations, probably not much more at the moment. All right, let's get to the call up here now. One of the two bigger call ups that we see this week will start with the Pirates. They actually made two call ups. One happened so far, so long ago that it was hard to remember. I almost didn't put them in the notes because it happened on Sunday of last week. So wasn't available for the fab bidding last week, is available now. That's, of course, Henry Davis, the catcher, but he's playing a whole lot of outfield for the Pirates instead. They did say that he was going to be playing plenty That now that they called him up. 
but doesn't seem like he'll be playing a whole lot of catcher, at least at the moment. Hopefully for those who are holding on to him for next year, he does get the prerequisite number of games behind the plate to keep that catcher eligibility but that's not here or there for our purposes right here. So you have him. And then of course you had second base prospect, Nick Gonzalez, just make his debut the other day. He started at second base, his natural position on Friday and his debut, not that great. over for three, two strikeouts. So this of course was somebody who was a little bit more, had a little bit more pedigree going, I believe seventh overall in, in his draft. And Really high up on prospect ranks when he first got drafted, has struggled a little bit in the minors, but now you know he's got the call. Is Gonzalez specifically is that someone you're hoping continues with a slow start weekend so that it can temper the bidding so you can sneak him in cheaper? Or are you hoping he puts up a big Sunday to drain extra dollars from anybody who might have been excited because it was somebody you were going to stay away from anyway? I think the latter. I wasn't too interested, and that's shopping because a lot of my leagues, especially the weekly fag leagues, are struggling in, in the middle infield. I lost Altuve in a league in one year and then went big on Volpe, who's been fine for like steals and homers, but not much else. I could use the middle infield help, but I don't think it's going to come from Nick Gonzalez, at least this year. There was a lot of strikeouts at the upper levels of the minors and no skill that jumped off the page as far as being at least fantasy relevant ready at this point i'm not too interested there and not to circle back but i am interested in henry davis <laughs> for sure definitely could always use a second catcher and davis has held his own i think he has steel he doubled again tonight has had i think a multi-hit game already he's looked pretty good so far i'm regretting passing up on him for someone like Wilson Contreras in like a daily moves league that I'm in. Uh, if I could go back, I would have done that when he got in the call. He looks pretty good. And especially for two catcher leagues, I think he'll, I think he might be one of the higher bids this weekend. I would think if he wasn't stashed anywhere or at it already. Yeah, I agree. Especially since with Bo Naylor getting the call up last week, mm -hmm. he was actually stashed in a bunch of places because he had already made his 2023 MLB debut mm -hmm. in that double header a couple mm -hmm. was the last month or so. And so he was available in the NFBC since he already made that debut. So a lot of people have been stashing him. So it wasn't really available for the bidding for those who needed that second catcher. And Davis is just the fact that he's playing every day. Mm -hmm. He's going to get dual eligibility. Not that you're going to pick him up to be in your outfield, but you know, there's a reason why MJ Melendez is continuously held onto, even with his lackluster play. Just the fact that he plays every day at that catch and is eligible at that catcher position, even though he's not really playing catcher. Davis is going to fit that same build. He's going to have to really play himself out of that eligibility, which is really hard to do in a two catcher league if you're playing every day. It's just one of those things where it's if you see that kind of volume, it's going to be even a 12 teamer two catcher league you're talking about one of the top 24 catchers mm -hmm. in the league i think that's pretty obvious that with that kind of playing time with his pedigree and what he's already like you said what he's already been able to do in his first week in the league it's it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to go for and it's definitely going to be a higher bid than you're used to seeing catchers go for sure i'm sure we'll see a couple triple digit bids for those who still have the hammer and have money to burn which is far and few between <laughs> not many of them exist right now 
but we will see it happen, I'm sure. All right, we have a return from the IL, which is interesting to talk about. We have the Reds had Will Myers return from the IL and promptly sent him packing with a DFA notice. Ouch, not the way you want to go. It's also just editorializing. It's a little weird to, for the Reds to do this, in my opinion, just to have a guy that you signed for, I think it was a one-year deal, even in their situation that... Even if they're not going to be sellers, you think you'd want to let this guy do as much as he can so you could sell him or at least show that he could even after coming off the injury. But you know what? The Reds, are they have more important and more fun things to worry about. One of them is not taking anything away from Ellie De La Cruz, but Joey Votto is back. He has continued to, he pretty much came back to his 2021 form in this last week upon his 2023 debut. So he got three home runs, two in one game recently. And this is just part of the roster crunch that the Reds are going to continue to see throughout the probably the next couple of weeks. And as we get closer and closer to the, not only the all-star break, but the trade deadline, they're selling out games now. It's fun time. What are your thoughts on adding Vado this weekend? And honestly, any other non-Ellie de la Cruz related excitement do you feel the same way? Yeah, real quick on Myers. I know it's off for him and strange that they would essentially lose an asset for free, but good for them. There's so many times where you see these teams that are in it play these guys just because they paid them X amount of money. And even though it's clearly not the best fit to try and win now, they give these canned answers and act like everyone else is dumb and doesn't see that's clearly not the best option despite what they're telling us so good for them even without will myers there is a a roster and outfield crunch they have nick senzel where they have to play they have christian encarnacio strand who's been playing some outfield in the minors they're putting spencer steel in the outfield now spencer steers playing in the outfield yeah they have mclean and de la cruz on the left side so that's a no-go they have india at second so set there and then now Vado is going to play first which is even tough for Tyler Stevenson who was getting some reps there so that's not going to happen anymore the Reds all of a sudden have this excess amount of talent it's pretty awesome I absolutely love to see it and as far as Joey Votto as an ad like I would be basically adding him everywhere I want a piece of this offense and this is a way to get it that you might not have to go and overpay for Ellie De La Cruz or McLean and Steer are long gone already. Two guys that I had in my home league and shouldn't have dropped. Oops. But yeah, I think that Votto's like said himself, like he wants to be a part of it and wants to win and wants to, he said it felt like being called up in 2007 again, entering yeah. into this atmosphere, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm just happy for Votto, man. Same, like same. the guy just he's needs my, my favorite player. Like ever. so fun, and then the commercials he did in the preseason. I don't know if you saw; those were great. Yeah, where he was, he hit the single, and it was about the new rules. He hit the single yeah. down the right side, and he's wait, that's a hit now. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got the personality for it. I want him around baseball forever. Essentially, yeah. I love Joey Votto. Something tells me, he, yeah, he'll be around baseball for a while, even if he's not playing. But the, you want to get somewhere, even if the Reds don't win the World Series, which I still think is a stretch in most people's eyes, mm-hmm. just to see them succeed and have fun. Like I said, Cincinnati sold out a game the other day, and that 
hasn't happened in quite a while <laughs> in Great American Small Park. And so that the excitement is definitely in the air in Cincinnati. I so. mean that their ownership gets to like look like they were right, yes. <laughs> be vindicated, even though they shouldn't be. Like, no, you were still terrible, har- terrible. And it's just like coincidence that like all these guys hit. You didn't, they didn't, I'm sure their ownership uh, knew that. Spencer Steer and Matt McLean were going to come up and tear the cover off the ball. Yeah, okay. But good work to their sh- scouting department and all that and player development. Yeah, which, there we uh, go. We'll give them the credit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not the ownership, but they don't even every, have room. Everyone else. Yeah. Christian and Carson Strand is still waiting in the wings, and now you got nowhere to put him. I'm sure he'll be up before the end of the year, but Crazy. it's exciting the fact that they don't have a spot for him. And that's not even to mention Nuova Marte, who they got mm-hmm. over from the Mariners in a trade last year. He'll be wanting to come up at some point soon as well. Fun time to be a Reds fan, for sure. Absolutely. All right, let's call it the other call up here. Staying in the state of Ohio, we have the Cleveland Guardians calling up starting pitcher Gavin Williams. He was called up, made his MLB debut earlier this week and less than a stellar performance. I feel like we've been a little spoiled this year with all the Millers doing so well in their first in their MLB debuts. But we got Williams, who is going to probably stick in the rotation for a little bit. He's obviously doing something to as a as an audition, if you will, to hold on to that spot. You're, you're happy with the way Williams performed against similar situ, similar question as I did with Nick Gonzalez. Were you going after him this weekend regardless? And you're glad it wasn't such a stellar performance so that maybe the bidding comes down a little bit so you can sneak him in a couple of leagues or it, are, do you not trust the situation that Williams is currently in? No, selfishly, I'm glad he did not go out there and pitch seven innings with 10 strikeouts and three hits or something like that. I still think that Gavin Williams is probably one of the most talented arms that have come up. And that says a lot considering how much success there's been from rookie pitchers this year. Guys with just the last name Miller alone. I think that there is a lot here and a lot more than what was just shown in his first start. I think the fastball is really good and one of the better in the, in the minors. Not that I'm, certified on prospect Twitter on that, but I follow all the guys who are certified on prospect Twitter on that. And they all love his fastball. That's a great place to start. The slider and changeup are pretty good. And I think that it's, I said this on, on wins above fantasy last week, like pitching prospect call-ups, their debuts, whether they're good or bad, I think have to be discounted and taken with a grain of salt a bit more often, just because, there's so much adrenaline, nerves, one way or the other that can affect velocity, performance. It's just not a normal situation. Once guys get two to three starts under their belt, I think that's when you see at least something as far as what the what their true talent is. Not just a cherry pick and just say that I'm going to throw out the one bad start from Gavin Williams. It still wasn't great, but if you like Gavin Williams heading into the season, there's no reason to not like him after that one start. I think the stuff is still really good. And, Let's also remember. Let's also remember he's facing off against Kansas City next week. So if nothing else, when you see that little baseball next to there on when you do the schedule option on your fab betting, you're going to see that and you realize, regardless of what he did in his debut, that's a good matchup. I want him on my team for that, and we'll see where it goes from there. For sure. All right. Last thing here, we have a return to the majors in Arizona. Alec Thomas returned to the Diamondbacks outfield. Do you see Thomas sticking longer, like even throughout the course of the rest of 2023, longer than he did prior? And can he return to fantasy relevancy 
in anything less than a 15-team, five-outfield league? I think so, and I hope so. I liked Alice Thomas a lot as a prospect. And before, there was Corbin Carroll taking over the universe and becoming a still first is. rounder overnight. <laughs> Alec Thomas was a pretty intriguing outfield prospect for the Diamondbacks. And there's been some noticeable changes. Namely, he ditched the leg kick in the minors and did really well. I think he hit 320 with four homers and three steals, something like that, in his time down in tri- AAA. It really clicked and worked for him. And it's been decent so far in the games that he's been back. I think he's home already. He's had a few extra base hits. Didn't start on Saturday, but that's been the, the that was the first time that he was off since he called up early in the week. So yeah, I, I think that there is some potential here, and I'm hoping that there is good speed, good bat to ball skills, and hits the ball decently hard. So an upside of a 15-15 player, maybe not the rest of the way, but ten homers, ten steals, it's not bad. I think that's like an upside for Alec Thomas and in a deeper league with five outfields that should absolutely be rostered based on just the potential alone. And then you, you could move along if not, but I'm intrigued by the fact that he had a mechanical change and has carried that over in his last few games back up in the majors. Yeah. For me, it's just being about how much playing time are they going to continue to give him throughout his tenure in Arizona? He's had his first off day today as recording this on Saturday, the 24th since his call-up, but the fact that they put him in there five days straight and then they finally gave him a day off. He's obviously performing as well in that time that they gave him. So if they if he continues performing, they're going to have a hard time keeping him out of the lineup like they were prior to his send-down. Right before they sent him down, he was playing just against righties. He wasn't playing against any lefties, and he sat against a couple righties as well right before the send-down. So if we start seeing that happen, we might might start assuming that his performance has gone down a little bit, but if he continues performing the way he has with those adjustments that you talked about, then his playing time is going to be there. All right. That's pretty much all we got. That's all we got for the news and notes section here. I do have some breaking news, not to hijack. No, Hey, that we don't get those. Where's um, the, where's the sound effect? I don't know if this is breaking news because it's kind of a flat circle thing, but Byron Buxton has left the game with a back injury. Tonight. Did you just put in a recording? Did I just did I like splice in a recording of something that might have happened in the past a couple times? This maybe, doesn't seem maybe, breaking. Maybe, this seems yeah. like a broken record type of yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, maybe less oh, breaking man. news as it is broken record. But Brian is hurt again. Doesn't even play the field anymore and is hurt again. That does obviously free up the DH position for other back, people who uh, will back get hurt. Was the <laughs> official word? Sure. Yeah, this will con- this will open up the DH position for others like Royce Lewis, perhaps, to get some breathers, who is obviously has some injury concerns in the past as well. It probably provides a little bit more. It might even force them to play Joey Gallo more often, even with his obvious splits. But Gallo's not even playing against every righty either, so it might get him in the lineup a little bit more often as well. I don't know if you see any other obvious spots in here. That, Maybe uh, Trevor Larnock get called back up. Uh, yeah, the Phil, if, if he ends up going on the DL from it, uh, from yeah, the IL, on the, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, depending on how serious it is, yeah. Edward Julian, I know they, they play him a lot at leadoff and second, but I don't know if he's like that good of a glove, so maybe that could open up some playing time at DH there too. Gallo did homer tonight on Saturday. He so did. Maybe yes, I did see that. Peter here. Seems, yeah, that would be the obvious move to to play him more often than they have been. 
with Buxton down, no matter how long it is. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of platoons happening in Minnesota. So with a, they might be forced to not have as strict mm-hmm. of a platoon situation for some of those players with this if Buxton misses any extended period of time. All right, now that's going to wrap it up. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate the breaking news. We don't ever get to break news here. It is like, that's not really what ends up happening. So I appreciate that. For more breaking news and wrap up of pretty much everything that has happened in the day prior, make sure you're listening to the First Pitch Podcast with KC Bubba and Jake Crumpler on the weekends. They break down all the news highlights and observations from every day's worth of games, as well as looking ahead at each slate to keep you up to date with everything you need to know to win your fantasy league throughout the entire season. Just a moment, we are going to talk, Steve and I are going to talk a little bit about resetting our fantasy lives, if you will, mid-season. You know what? It's draft season. Simple as that. Let's just put, say it like that. It's always fun to draft. And no, it's, we're not talking football drafts. We're talking best ball drafts. We'll talk about a draft I just completed right after this quick break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we are back. Of course, you are still listening to On The Wire. I am Adam Howe, joined this week by Steve Giswelli of Wins Above Fantasy podcast. It comes out every Thursday right here on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're not listening to that, what are you doing? Make sure you are tuning in there and you're subscribing to the Pitcher List Fantasy Baseball feed to get all of the great podcasts that come through our airwaves. But Beyond that, Steve, I guess started off here, just let everybody know, we're going to be talking about, real quick, a draft I just completed on Underdog Fantasy. And I will say, this is the first draft that I have done on Underdog. I didn't get a chance to do any Underdog Fantasy drafts in the preseason. I have done a lot of their pick'ems and done a couple of their their daily, the daily stuff that they do on a regular basis. But this is the first full 12-team draft that I've done. And I'm talking about their seventh inning stretch, their second half best ball tournament. It starts right after the all-star game. So you can draft right now. It is best ball. So you don't have to worry about any free agents or anything like that. And it's only $7. There's $150,000 worth of prize money to go around. I believe first, first prize is $30,000. And it's a good time. Of course, you can't play in all states. You can only play in states that underdog is legally allowed to <laughs> operate as it is with all of these paid money leagues that we talk about in the NFBC and stuff like that as well. NFBC just did their second chance leagues a couple weeks ago as well. So this is in the same vein. It is a best ball. It is a four round tournament. So you draft a 12 teamer, you try to win that league and then you move on to the second round, third round, fourth round. And it seems to be a lot of fun. And you know what I like about it the most is I don't have to pay attention to it. <laughs> I can pay attention to my fat 
tab on a regular basis, but I still have the opportunity to do a draft here or there. And I'll probably do a couple more on here. I know that you and Van talked about on Winspo Fantasy doing a draft of your own in the near future. So I'll be listening on to see if I can time that right to jump in yours as well. But we'll see how that works out. It is a live draft, 30 second clock. So you can't find any of those two hour slow drafts or anything like that. But go in once the room fills, you start drafting. So you better be ready. And so if you haven't done it yet, I recommend it. Like I said, it's only seven bucks. And if you sign up right now, you make sure you use the, we got a promo code with, with underdog right now. If you use pitcher list, all one word, all capital letters, pitcher list, P-I-T-C-H-E-R-L-I-S-T. If you don't know how to spell pitcher list at this point, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what are you doing? You'll get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. So you deposit five bucks, they'll give you another five bucks. You deposit a hundred bucks, they'll give you another hundred bucks. So you can do a whole lot of $7 drafts or do the pickums or do whatever and just spread it out. You can use it for other sports as well if you really feel like it. I'm using all mine for baseball, but they got, they do a whole bunch of other sports as well in there. All right, got the information out there real quick. Steve, I sent you my draft board for my league. And what I wanted to do is just break down a little bit about this is best ball. This is points. This is underdog points. So you can look that up on the app and find out all the specific points that they covet. And what I did is I plugged though that point system into auction calculator. I used ATC's rest of season projections to calculate the value. And I found some mathematical values that I saw, and I'm curious to see if you saw any just by the eye test that might have differed from what I found through comparing with ATC. So you've got my you've got my overall my my values here in front of you as well. But did you see anything on the draft board that stood out to you as far as whoa, can't believe that guy went so high? can't believe this guy fell to the sixth round, et cetera. Not even comparing to what we saw in draft season in March, but just what we've been, you've been talking about leagues and baseball for all season. So you're tuned in, you realize what these guys are doing. Is there anything that stood out to you as far as value in either direction? As far as names that I was shocked at, I was shocked that judge went for, I know that this this is, he was already on the IL. Yeah. 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 And I know this isn't starting till after the all-star break, but this is, there's, there's four rounds to this tournament, right? Like you need to advance. Mm-hmm. And if you're risking taking a zero with judge and then even with Jordan Alvarez, who went 16th, I don't know if I would be comfortable betting on the fact that they, those guys would be back by then. I, I think I would avoid that there. So that was a little shocking for me. Then overall, I think just I haven't done one of these yet, like you said, but I'm going to. I think that because there is like these this round structure and like you need to and then overall component too, like guys like Carol, I think might should be a little bit higher because, you know, if they have one of those player of the week type of weeks that he is capable of having where he has five homers and five steals you're going to advance that round, right? I think I would like that more than just like the consistent Freddie Freeman type of guys that are going to be amazing over the long six month grind of a season, five month grind of a season, as opposed to someone like Carol who could be the best player on earth for a week, 10 days at a time and essentially win you your rounds and advance you and maybe win you a decent chunk of change. 
It's yeah, it's an interesting way of putting. It. I didn't really think about it this way, but you're absolutely right. It really is, it's the opposite of playing in a season long head to head league. Like where if it's you like, have Christopher Morel for if yeah, this one that went on, you're good. Three yeah, weeks fine. ago, when Christopher Morel was yeah, yeah. the best player in the league, like that's it, boom. So but, I think I would even bump him up in this because he's capable of doing those. He's also capable of going over. It is a best. That's a beauty. It is a best ball. So it's like if he does terribly, all you lost on that was the draft pick. Mm -hmm. And so he does not going to hurt you per se. You just lost the draft pick. You do have 10 bench spots. It is 20. It's 20 rounds. You get 20 players. They their positions. Obviously, that plays a part in here as well. And that's going to be my last question talking to you about scarcity in this kind of a tournament. But there's three pitchers. Three outfielders, three infielders, which includes catchers, and one flex spot, which is any offensive player. That threw me off at first. I, I was hoping that you could actually flex in a pitcher in there as well. But then you have 10 bench spots as well. And so, obviously, best ball, a lot of people go heavy on the pitching, just especially in this climate that we've seen so far this year. You want as many eggs in that basket as you can get because a lot of them are going to spoil. And you want to make sure you're getting the best ones out there. And... I, I did that. I went heavy on pitching early and I went after those other positions a little bit later. My point I was going to make is that I would draft Harper, Bryce Harper early in a head to head league in March, knowing he was going to be out most of the year. But all I had to do was tread water and make the playoffs and Bryce Harper was going to be in my lineup when it mattered. Right. And so this is the opposite of that. You want to win that first round and you want to get to the next round. That's the chaos that that you live in in this situation. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And as far as like the pitching goes, like I'm usually a bump pitch later, but and even somewhat in best ball drafts too, because in in best ball drafts in the preseason, everyone has their sleepers and their guys that they like that they could backfill their lineup with their rotation with. And then there's also like these inning eaters that in theory that you draft in preseason that, you know, are safer plays and okay, I need to fill three starters here in rounds 25 to 30. Let's take the Marco Gonzalez of the world, the boring oatmeal guys. Like you you might not have the luxury of that now because people know who they are and they know who the good ones are already at this point in the year. So those guys are going to get bumped up too. So I don't hate the idea of taking starters early and loading up there to, okay, like I have my safe starters these guys are going to have to play and some of them will fail too, because it's such a short tournament and there could be a, a blow up start here or there from a guy that you think is a lock. I think it, that is a smart move to be a little bit more aggressive with. Uh, yeah. Starting and pitching. My thought too, is just the roster makeup here is we're talking about three infielders and three outfielders. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a, a very specific two catcher, first base, second base, yeah. third base, middle infield, corner field. The reason why pitching doesn't always get pushed up in in a best ball per se is that you still have a lot of offensive positions yes. you need to fill and very specific ones, which creates scarcity within the positions. Now you've got for, you know you can fill your entire team with first baseman if you really wanted to if it worked out that way and it's all the same. So that was kind of my logic going after. You yeah, know that's a great that's I a think, great call. Like you're right, a reason why pitching is bumped down is because there's you don't want to get caught with the 15th third baseman off the board. You don't really have to worry about that in in this format. Not so much. All right. Like I said, you can sign up for the seventh inning stretch as well. I'll probably do at least one more of these myself. Steve, you said you and Van are going to try to do one together. 
So keep an eye on their Twitter feed as well. And I'll throw out there when I'm going to do it and we'll see, we'll see what we can get going. But again, if you sign up with Pitcher List as your code, Pitcher List, all one word, all capital letters, you'll get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. It's only $7 to enter. You can also just click the link in the description of this show for how do you, for signing up and making sure you use the code again, Pitcher List when you sign up. Remember, you do have to be 18 or over to play, and you have to be present in a state in where underdog fantasy operates. If you live in Alabama or Nebraska, you have to be 19 or over. And if Massachusetts and Arizona, you do have to be 21 or over. Terms will apply. If you're concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, you can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, you can call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. All right, Steve, this wasn't like specifically your realm or your specifically, which is what we talk about, but it is something that I know you'll be doing. You do a lot more best balls from my understanding from listening to you than I do. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this with me a little bit, especially before I do another one. We're talking about another one of these drafts next week as well. But Steve, remind everybody where they can find you, listen to you, and any other work you might be you might have going on. Yes, you can find myself and my esteemed co-host Van Burnett on the Wins Above Fantasy podcast every Thursday here on the Pitcherless Podcast Network, also on on our feed too. That's a ton of fun. We have different so- topics all week, general fantasy topics, nothing folk, no, no specialty or anything like that, but we're, we cover everything, which is great. I think we do a lot of fun stuff there. We had a, a, an immaculate grid. I know you're a great immaculate oh, grid player inspired episode there. So I had a lot of fun with that. I've also been doing a lot of live chats on the pictureless discord, which has been a ton of fun. Been doing that on Thursdays, not every Thursday, but kind of every other Thursday there. So go in there for an hour, talk baseball, they want to answer their questions to the best of my ability, have a lot of fun with that. So yeah, another great reason to join the pitcher list discord, join PL pro PL plus all that there, there's a live chat, I think basically every day, which is great. I know people, that's how I got into fantasy too. Like asking credits, questions on r slash fantasy baseball and then joining the pitcher list discord and all that. So it's great. That's what I've been up to. So yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and Van and I are hard at it. We'll be on this Thursday again. So looking forward to that. Yeah, you'll be on this Thursday as long as I don't ask you randomly to switch your publishing day, which has happened more than once or twice this season. Yeah, season. we've had two other questions. <laughs> it goes You're very through. flexible, and I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. The live chats have been amazing. They really have been, and they're so dedicated. Like It's just like this dedicated hour, like you mentioned, that any question that comes up, you get an answer. And I will say like the discord in general is always popping off and there's always questions. There's always answers, but sometimes those answers come like four hours later from a random person who just happens yeah. to have the answer or is interested in learning more. And it's not always picture list staff that are answering the question. That's the best part. It's like the entire community is asking questions and answering those questions as well, based on what is happening in their league or what's not happening. But with these hour long Q and A's or AMAs, whatever you want to call them, live chats that you've been taking part in it's if you're there you're going to get your question answered within that hour that uh, that you're taking place and usually it happens within yeah you know, if you ask the first it, five yeah, or ten yeah, minutes yeah, of the question unless you get like 50 questions all at once then you're yeah. just going check check and you get to it when you get to it but you will get to it and that's the thing 
Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Like you said, like sometimes you throw a question out there and, you know, whether it gets lost or whatever else is going on, it might not get answered in a timely fashion. But there, if you ask a question, like the person hosting a live chat is going to answer it, which is great. I know whenever I have a trade idea out there, I always I always put it in the Spiritualist Discord to get some validation or just make sure I'm not too far off base because one of my favorite things of fantasy baseball is trading. So I'm always having offers out there and it's good to bounce ideas off people. So it's a great place to be. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to some of these other questions per se. I try to force as many segues as I can. This is a little bit more of a force than good. I normally get. Good. Yeah, right, right, I appreciate it. And the questions are retaining are related to who you're going to spend your money on this week in fab. We will get to all these recommendations that Steve and I have in all of the categories right after this quick break. All right, we're back, Steve. Let's get right into it. We're going to break it down category by category. Who might be some options, whether it's 15-teamers, 12-teamers, 10-teamers, whatever. We'll let you know where they might be available, where they might not be, but why we think that this is going to be players that you should be keeping an eye out for. We're going to start, like we always do, in the power categories, home runs, RBIs. Steve, kicking out to you to let us start us off here. Who is going to knock in a home run or two next week and knock in a couple RBI? I like Ha Seong Kim for the Padres. I think he's homered in back-to-back games, or at least he homered yesterday too. But he has a pretty good schedule in the fact that he faces a lefty on Tuesday, Rich Hill. He has a 780 OPS versus lefties, and that's like 100 points higher than it is versus righties, so does a lot of damage there. And then is at Cincinnati for the weekend slate after being at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's kind of gone in tailspin here and... I think they do face Mitch Keller that week, but he also hasn't been as great as he was in the beginning of the season. Kim plays mostly every day. I would probably expect at least five of those six starts and two of the at least two or three in Cincinnati, and then first that lefty on Tuesday, which is springing that 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 idea for a pickup there. So I like Hassan Kim as a guy who there was some hype coming around preseason, didn't really do too hot and is picking it up a bit lately. So he should be out there in a decent amount of at least shower leagues. He might be rostered just because he gets mostly everyday playing time in those deeper 15 team leagues. But who knows? He could be out there just because he hasn't been too great, but has a pretty good schedule next week, at least for someone that has a six game schedule, not a seven game schedule. Yeah, I like that. There are no team. We'll get to it later. But what's nice is that there are no teams that have a five game schedule next week. And there's very few teams that have the full seven game week. So six, I'll take the six yeah. for sure, especially if you're going to be in Cincinnati for half that time. Guy I'm, I'm looking at, especially my 12-teamers, he's pretty much been picked up everywhere in 15-teamers. I think 94, 96% rostered in the main event. And especially this week with every all eyes on Henry Davis in Pittsburgh, Patrick Bailey in San Francisco is going unnoticed. And even though he's 50% rostered across most 12-teamers in the NFBC area, he's still readily available pretty much anywhere in anything shallower than that. But of course, these NFBC 2 
two catcher leagues. But this is still a guy who is, if you go to his pitcher list player page, I know he hasn't been up long enough to qualify for a lot of these percentages, but it's very red. <laughs> it's so incredibly red. Batting 330 in his limited time. Obviously, all his counting stats are still blue, but he's still got four home runs in, the, in this time period, striking out only at 25%. I say only, that's not a great, but it's anything less than 30%. I'm going to be okay with that, especially when you're, you're playing pretty much every day and qualifying at the catcher position. But 31.3% hard contact rate, 37% ideal plate appearance percentage, which is a great stat that you'll find only at the pitcher list on the pitcher list player pages as well, telling you exactly what these guys are doing and how their plate appearances are resulting in exactly what you're looking for. Expecting average, which again is different than expected BA, you'll find on the stat cast on the Savant pages. It does account for spray, spray positioning. Sorry, spray angle is 339, expected WOBA 403. That's if he qualified, that'd be the seventh best expected WOBA in Major League Baseball. That's the guy is doing very special things and he is not rostered enough, especially in the fact that we're seeing him play, like I said, pretty much every day. He's a starting catcher for the Giants and he's setting every maybe he plays about five out of seven games in a given week. Batting seventh, granted, I'd like to see that, but he's on fire right now. And I think with all the attention that we're seeing on Henry Davis and if Bo Naylor happens to still be available in your league, even though he started off slow and his playing time hasn't been that great. Bailey could still, you could still be getting Bailey at a more of a discounted rate than I think you're going to be able to if he continues this hot streak that we've been seeing. And you're not going to be, you're not going to be too upset with what I think he's going to be able to continue to do as long as the playing time stays there. Of course, Joey Bart, not really living up to what many hoped in San Francisco and obviously not on the roster at the moment either. And Patrick Bailey would be somebody that I'm looking at, especially in my 12 teamers, where he's still available and I've been streaming my second catcher and I want to stop streaming my second catcher. Mm -hmm. I'll plug that hole with Patrick Bailey. I want to stop playing Wilson Contreras. So I am strongly considering there you go. <laughs> adding Patrick Bailey for him in a single catcher 14 team league. Yeah. I like it. And like the swing strike rate matches. I know there was at least what was throwing me off in the beginning. He was striking out like over 30% of the time and only locked like once or twice when he first came up. But as this is becoming more real like the strikeout and wall and numbers are improving the swing strike rate is good i think it's 12 percent or sorry nine percent it was 12 percent in the minors nine and a half percent in the majors so he's really not swinging and missing which is good four home runs and 149 wrc plus and 27 games for a catcher is nothing to laugh at so i am getting closer and closer to making a swap like that. Yes, it's a 413 BABIP and a 21.1% homer to fly ball rate. So some of the batting average, maybe a bit of the homers will come down. But even if that does, like what? He's hitting 330 right now. What is he going to regress to? 300? Yeah, there we go. Uh, if This way I look at it. If you're out there bidding on Henry Davis, Patrick Bailey should be in your conditional bids. Simple as that. If you're willing to drop somebody for Henry Davis, you're willing to drop that person for Patrick Bailey. I think or that you should be. <laughs> he's probably better than most of your two C's unless like you double tapped early and haven't thought about catcher all year. But hey, your double tap could have been on Wilson Contreras, right? And mm. you're struggling there. Yeah, I have more of the other Contreras, William Contreras, that I do, Wilson Contreras. So it's so not the good something. One. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I wasn't going to say it like that. You know, we'll go with yeah, that. not to make this about Wilson Contreras. All of his stackhouse numbers are still pretty good. They look in line. And I would expect some regression there. So maybe it's not that drastic of a move that you should do. But, hey, Patrick Bailey has been really good. Yeah, fair. All right. All right. Let's look at some guys we think might be able to steal some bases. I'm going to take what I see as the low hanging fruit first here, Steve, Mm -hmm. only because we saw him call up and I left them out of the news and notes section on purpose just so I could call them out here as well and not have to do any extra work. No, I'm just kidding. David Hamilton of my Boston Red Sox gets the call up and he is, he steals bases. That's just, (laughs) it's just what he does. 27 stolen bases, only caught six times this year in triple a double a 70 stolen bases only got caught eight times in 2022 and this is you're not he's added a little bit of pop to his game in the last two years as well in 52 games in triple a he does have 11 home runs it's not why we're that's not why we're looking at him at the moment obviously he does need to be able to hit the ball enough to get on base on base percentage in triple a 339 we'll take it 255 batting average. Again, we'll take it. He stole a base in his debut without even starting the game. The Red Sox have not been a team that have been known as a team that Alex Cora is not a manager that runs his players unless they are players that he trusts. And even then, last year, the top three stolen base threats were Xander Bogarts, Jaron Duran, and... I think actually Trevor's story somehow. And so we don't see those options too often right now for the Red Sox in the 2023 roster as it's made up. So David Hamilton obviously also fills a hole that the Red Sox needed, missing some pieces in Boston in the middle infield. And Trevor Story is not, he's talking about coming back early as a DH that's still weeks away at this point. And so David Hamilton, if you need stolen bases, it looks like he's going to play enough. And even if he doesn't play enough, he's going to be coming in as a pinch runner and or pinch hitter later in games as well. I think he's going to give you plenty of opportunity to get those stolen bases if you need them. So again, David Hamilton is somebody I will be eyeing in the leagues I need stolen bases, which surprisingly since Almost all of my fantasy baseball or baseball research this offseason had revolved around stolen bases is the category I need the most of in pretty much every league, except for the one league I have, Estuary Ruiz. So Hamilton will be on my list for sure. Yeah, he currently has more stolen bases than he does hits. So that goes to show you (laughs) that these guys... It's like a story Ruiz asked, right? He's going to get his steals, it seems. And the Red Sox really haven't had many of these like burners, right? I don't know. Like, goes to say, I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think it's, oh, the Red Sox are like against the stolen base. It's, I think they really didn't have many guys that were capable of stealing. So they really didn't. But I'm going to let a guy like this not run. And That's an excellent they, point. They yeah. That's an excellent point. We, we've talked about this on the show many times, especially with Kevin and Matheny in Kansas City when he first came over there and was like, oh, he's old school. He doesn't like to run, blah, 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 blah. But you give him the talent to run and he it will let them run like especially he, now where it's much easier to get to a number that the coaches are okay and the numbers show that you need to be successful for and with the new rules it's a lot easier to get there so guys have green lights more often than ever yeah i mean there's a lot of factors that go into the decision whether or not to send a runner and obviously the manager has to make that decision but from the research that 
I did and Kyle Bland was able to help me out with in the offseason. The biggest impact is simply speed. And sprint speed is what we focused on. And if a guy is fast, they're more likely to get sent, regardless of other tendencies that you see out of a manager or who's at bat, what the score is, all that. If he's fast and he thinks he can make it, if the risk goes down, he's more likely to run. There are other, again, other factors that hold, like obviously you don't see guys, Corbin Carroll as many stolen bases as it is, or Cunha as many stolen bases as he has, they still don't run every single time. (laughs) There are other factors, but the fact that they have that speed component does allow them to, that trumps everything else. All right, but there are other options out there, Steve. If not David Hamilton, who might you be looking at to grab to get you some extra stolen bases and or score some runs? I like Mikel Garcia, who maybe isn't not as available as a guy like David Hamilton, so he just got called up, but he is a super interesting profile. A lot of people were talking about him on the Discord this week. He's a guy that his pitcher list, Savant Page, all those things. He's a great hoops trivia question, right? You post, uh, <laughs> yep. his, his a screenshot of his pitcher list page, and everyone's, ooh, ah, look at all these nice red numbers, and it's Mikel Garcia. I think he's a pretty good all-around player, and he has 10 steals already. I think three of those came in a game on Thursday or Friday. But he plays really good defense, 99th percentile on the outs above average, so that should keep him on the field in Kansas City. He hits the ball hard, doesn't barrel that well. There's a few more ground balls than you would like to see, but for a guy with a decent speed that might be okay, it gives me like a Cabrian Hayes profile feel. Maybe not as bad of as a ground ball problem, but... Hey, that's to figure out later. And for steals, like he's still going to get it. He's getting on base at a decent clip, walking 8.2% of the time. That helps when you have a 337 OBP. He's going to have the opportunity to run. And Kansas City isn't a team that should be giving any red lights because they need to manufacture runs any way that they can. So I like Mikel Garcia as a good speed option, but the added bonus that he's a pretty good stick as well. Yeah, like he was just dropped in my home Dynasty 12 teamer. And yeah. I only have one ad left this week. And that might be. Uh, we, it might be. I'm, I'm, I'm in a weird spot because we, uh, we've had this league for tw- 20 years. It is head to head. So we do track like everything. And so we do have weekly stat- statistical category records that we keep. And I'm pretty close to setting a new strikeout record, weekly strikeout record. And so I, I, I'm tempted to just, it's and strange. I don't obviously. I don't need to win the category. I'm already won the you category, the but I want the record. So do I use my last ad of the week to stream a starter on Sunday? And all the options are just awful. We're talking like Carlos Carrasco is the best option on the wire in that league for Sunday. So I have a decision to make and we'll see where that goes. I'm just glad that Wander Franco got back into the lineup. So I didn't, I wasn't forced to like have to go. Yeah, I don't have to go to a bat. Yeah. Franco is, I'm not losing at bats there. And yes, and he came back with a vengeance for sure. Two for four with the home run. Yeah, no, I'm not too upset about that. Yeah, the records are nice, but you want the <laughs> record at the end of the year. And I think Mikel Garcia is a, a very good dynasty asset, especially. That's uh, probably the smart move. Yeah. We'll see we'll, we'll see where we go. Other All right, than let's like bragging rights, do you get anything for having one of those? No, I'm the, and I'm the only one that tracks it either. So oh. I'll just end up telling everybody about it later. <laughs> Every week. Oh, he didn't break the strikeout record. Oh, okay. All right. Let's move on to some guys that might have a good opportunity ahead of themselves. Good matchups, lots of playing time, whatever you, whatever fits the bill here. Let's go over some schedule notes. Like I mentioned earlier, there are no teams that play five games, which is nice. All teams except for seven 
or sorry, all teams except for six play six games this week off on Monday or Thursday. Those six teams that do have a full seven game work week ahead of them include Milwaukee, the New York Mets, Texas, the Angels, Detroit, the White Sox, and the White Sox, excuse me. Colorado should always be mentioned. They are home all week. We've talked about it. Kevin and I talked about it a lot in the offseason. We're not going to see this very often, but I feel like I've mentioned it a couple times now in recent history. They are home all week long, which is nice if you are streaming against them or, or avoiding the stream against them for your pitchers and trying to get some hitters in there for an entire week. They host the Dodgers for three starting on Tuesday, and then they host the Tigers for three over the weekend. So with that in mind, I am going to take advantage of that situation myself and go with Carrie Carpenter, who we talked about him, I think, two weeks ago when he returned back to the Tigers. He is now 96% rostered in the main event. So it's be a couple, one or two leagues out there that you can still grab him in those 15 teamers. Readily available in your 12 teamers, though, in the online championship alone, 32% rostered. And on Yahoo and what happened, we're talking like close to single digits here. But Kerry Carpenter, since returning to the Tigers, obviously it doesn't hurt that guys like Akil Badu are missing from the lineup as well. Is pretty much playing every single day, batting third for the Tigers every day. Is he has missed a couple of games against lefties? I don't. It's only been two lefties since he returned, so you could say that's a strict platoon. But luckily, he hasn't had the opportunity to miss those games since they haven't had that many matchups against them, and. Again, the go over to his pitcherless player profile, and yeah, I don't care. I like the red sliders, <laughs> Steve. I'm gonna quote them. They're fun to look at in the right situations. Again, hard contact rate is something I will always go after. As we talk about a lot, it's different than hard hit rate. Hard contact rate built in the, the amount of contact that they're actually making. So it is overplayed appearances instead of over batted ball event. Twenty nine point five percent. When, if you look at the major league average right now, it, we're looking at under 27%. So he's a couple ticks above average in that department. He's got an expected WOBA of 334, also above average there. Strikeout rate hovering right around the same as Bailey at 25%. And this is includes his entire year, even the time before he went onto the IL and returned a lot stronger. And he's been barreling the ball like crazy since his return. So he's definitely valuable in your 12 teamers especially if you have the five outfielder spots he's pretty much going to play every single day he does have a seven game work week ahead of him and half of that ends up being in colorado so you gotta take advantage of that situation when you can yeah i like harry carpenter a lot in the preseason he did some interesting things last year was barreling the ball a bit to start the year and then got hurt and picked up where he left off and hasn't missed the beat i think he is a very underrated bat who I like a lot for this year and beyond, especially this week when they have a, a series in Colorado. Just bringing up like other Detroit guys who were potentially out there. Torkelson is this guy who's been doing all of the right things, just hasn't translated to results yet. Still striking out a bit too much. Zach McKintree bats leadoff versus righties. It's like still under 700 OPS. So. There's, you really have to squint to find a guy that you like on Detroit. And I think Kerry Carpenter is probably my favorite hitter on that team right now. Yeah, at least until I would Riley agree. Green, at least until Riley Green gets back. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but that's a ways but away. While Riley Green is out. Just started like 
doing some baseball activity. So he shouldn't be back for that series, barring like an extremely quick recovery and like eight Pete Alonzo type return type yeah, of thing. But I don't think they would do that with him. It seems like a no, probably not. Injury, yeah. <laughs> All right. Is there anybody else out there, Steve, that you want to take advantage of the situation that they have mm-hmm. at hand or any extra playing time or anything like that? Yeah. My before we, we hit on it before. So sorry to double tap in, in the segment here, but Joey Votto is a guy that I'm just... It's worth it. I want to be... I want to have a part of that Reds offense. It's like the most electric offense in the league and the second best hitting ballpark in the league. And Votto homered twice on Friday. He homered in his game back. Like you said, he looks like 2021 Votto. And if there's anyone that's going to have a storybook ending to a career and finish off strong in these last three and a half, four months, it's going to be a guy like him. So... I would expect some decent bids on him this weekend, but I think he might be worth it. Yeah, I, if there's somebody worth double tapping in a segment, um, Joey Votto, at least basically what he's been doing, I would say that he's worth it for sure. All right, let's move into some pitching categories here. Let's start off with our counting category. See if I'm going to let you start us off here with our wins and Ks, whether they're two steps, whether they're just guys with great matchups. I love the guy that you are adding on here. I am glad somebody is as I'm watching our Google sheet populate, but Steve, start us off here with some names to keep an eye out regardless of league size. We'll start with the guy that I just added. And unfortunately, Oh, he is not lined up there anymore. He was supposed to be at Colorado, but it looks like it's at Texas, which might not be better. Yeah. But that's resource. <laughs> At least offense-wise, but ballpark isn't that bad. Texas isn't that bad anymore. Today, he went five innings, 5.1 innings with nine strikeouts and one walk. That followed up an outing on Monday, which was a caveat at Kansas City, where he went six innings, two earned runs, three earned runs, and eight strikeouts. So in the last 11.1 innings pitched, he has 15 strikeouts to two walks, which is got me intrigued. And Reese Olsen has some really good stuff. And despite the poor matchup, I think is worth it to potentially get a win because he's been really good, get strikeouts because he's been striking out a ton of people. Sorry, that's 17 Ks. I, I can't do I can't do math apparently. Very simple math, but whatever. I'm excited about Reese Olson. And just looks like a really interesting prospect for Detroit. Like this could be a thing where I streamed him twice in a daily moves league this week in, in, in my home league. I, I added him for that first start versus Kansas City, dropped him, then added him yesterday for the Minnesota start. And I am holding on to him for sure. It looks really good. I'm really excited about Olsen. So despite that matchup, I think is worth an add because there's nothing better than when you add a guy who is you think is going to be a streamer and then they end up being like a, a long-term solution for your pitching staff, kind of like what Braxton Garrett was after his poor start. So... I like, see the next Braxton Garrett in Reese Olsen. Like Nick Pollock told us on the show, it's like you stream so you don't have to stream anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what this that's what Reese Olsen is looking like he could be. Braxton Brax Garrett was a, a great example on that. I streamed, I did stream Olsen a lot this week, especially for the two-step. Yes. And I am glad to say that he is helping me on my way to getting that strikeout record in my head-to-head home league. Yeah, so, an on-the-wire uh, <laughs> tip of don't drop after you added him for the two-start league. Not yeah. an ad, but a don't <laughs> drop. Yeah, I like that. All right, I'm going to chime in with one of my guys. I'll let you get to back to those the other two guys you had on here originally as well. Guy who went today, again, looking at Hogan Harris. And Hogan Harris is in a similar boat to Reese Olsen where he's just putting up these strikeouts that you didn't really expect it. Nick calls him like just a crafty lefty who's finding ways. But what I'm loving 
the usage that the A's are using is that they put Fujinami before him as an opener more times than not. He did have the opportunity to start in his last start last week, but at the last second, we saw the notification. I saw the notification come through that Fujinami was going to start today. Now, his numbers against the Jays today weren't fantastic, but he does line up to go against the White Sox next week. And then more than likely, he'll line up to go against Detroit the following week after that. And so I do what he's got going on before leading up to the All-Star break. And we'll see how the, the A's rotation irons itself out after that. But for now, I would assume that Harris makes all three or both of those starts before the All-Star break. Whether they are as an opener or not, Obviously, you want him to come in with that opener and put himself in a position where he has more of an opportunity to win later in the game. Now, as long as Fujinami doesn't continue to put up two or three, allow two or three (laughs) runs to start us off, that makes it more difficult. But if he can get a solid opener in front of him, he could sneak his way in there. But he's going to continue to get those strikeouts as a lefty against the White Sox. And I'm looking, even with only the one start here, especially in my deeper leagues where he's still available, I'll be somebody that I look at streaming because it's you don't always get Reese Olsen double taps to work out for you when you stream in most cases. Yeah, and his start after that is at Detroit. Even better. It's I like Harris too. It's maybe not as intriguing as Reese Olsen, but there's been a good amount of strikeouts in this game, like you said. I like it. And for all the slack that Oakland does get, they do tend to find pitchers from the scrap heap and turn them into something. <laughs> they may have something here. In, in this have to go back on that eight-game winning streak. That I would yeah, appreciate yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you got a couple names out in here as well. Steve, why don't you get through the interesting names as well, especially with recent production. Yeah, this one is a two-start volume there. It's Garrett Whitlock versus Miami and at Toronto. At Toronto seems scary, and it is a bit scarier because Vlad has homered in two games in a row now, and their offense, after sputtering a bit, may be picking it back up. But that first start and the volume overall, Whitlock is a skilled enough pitcher where if he is out there in 12 team or shallower leagues, I think is a really good two start option. One of the, one of the better ones at least that are, that may be available. And then the other one that might be a little more interesting is Jake Irvin at Seattle. So a, a good pitcher's park, but more of the reason why I'm interested is that he added two ticks of velocity in his last start. Interested to watch that one, even if I don't stream him, just to see if that holds, because it might be an ad if it does, and if he does look as good as he did in his last start, that could be interesting. Always exciting when a pitcher has a new midseason skill or a velo bump or like a pitch mix change. Here's a tangible one and someone that should be available in basically all leagues unless someone you know saw the future and streamed him for that last start where he added two ticks of velocity. Jake Irvin, 0% rostered in the online championship. And his name didn't show up when I control F'd it. So that's usually means 0%. But 2% in the main event. So there is somebody out there who, like you said, has that crystal ball and threw him out there. Whitlock, on the other hand, not readily available. People have been smelling that for a while, at least on the NFBC. I will say, though, on sites like Yahoo, still only 38% rostered. So go get him, especially in those daily moves where he's still available, especially if you're in a league like me where you have league limits and you want to take advantage of that double step. 
grab him now so you can get him for Monday. All right, let's move on to our ERA, our whip. I could have put Harrison here just because he's running. Well, Mm -hmm. before today, he's running with that sub one whip. I think that probably went up, but instead I typically end up going with a bunch of relievers here because they're readily available. You can get them for a buck. And as long as they get two to four outings in the week, if you're lucky, you get four. You're looking for three. They could chip away as much as anybody with a good week. And so real quick, couple of guys I'm looking at is that basically this, my guys here are really double tapping with the next category in the saves category because saves are so difficult, especially right now to speculate on pretty much Anybody doing good things in the Chicago Cubs bullpen, they did. They are missing a couple of their arms that you thought at least at the beginning of the season might might participate throughout the season in the end game, and that is Cody Hoyer and Brandon Hughes, both out for some time. We're actually, I think they're both going to miss the remainder of the season, if I'm not mistaken. But Julian Merriweather has been doing really good things, hasn't been scored on, hasn't allowed an earned run, I think, in his last like 12 outings. Michael Fulmer has actually been doing really good things after all of his struggles as well. And he's been used a whole lot, not always in multiple inning situations, but I go back to Grant Washburn's time on the show as well. And we talk about who's most likely to get save opportunities moving forward. And it's going to be players that are already under contract where saves are not going to affect arbitration as much. So former somebody I think could find his way back into the end game, but I'll save any kind of thoughts on that for the next. It's just the fact that both Fulmer and Merriweather have been doing good things in the ratio department and could, again, be dollar bids to fill a roster spot, especially in a nine-pitcher roster. And then real quick, just Griffin Jacks. It's a very similar situation in Minnesota. Not the closer, but with Jorge Lopez out for a little bit, he does seem like he'll end up getting closer and closer to the ninth inning and being the fill-in at the end game when Duran is not available. Also, just an electric reliever who's been doing good things pretty much all season. Somebody to keep an eye out if you need to chip away at those ratios and speculate on a vulture save here or there. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. As good as Alzale's been, like they've not established him as the full-time closer. I know the Cubs haven't had many chances just because they're not good and they're you're playing the Cardinals and being a 9-1 and not having save situations. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good play for ratios and then hey maybe a safe stance or two julian merriweather was like a future former closer former future closer like 10 times over yeah and when he's good he has some of the best stuff in baseball so i like it a lot yeah the cubs just need to actually have save opportunities for somebody to vulture them away and another reason why alzalay and even mark leiter jr is not not doing it for you in those even though you've they've been strong on the mound even when the cubs are doing well they're not providing the opportunities for anybody <laughs> to actually get the get saves. The Cubs, the, this season alone, they only have 10 saves. Yeah, they don't have many saves. Just on the season. All. And they're not like the A's or like the Royals or anything. Yeah, like that. that's they, the worst part. Yeah, it's just they haven't been in save situations. The Oakland A's have more saves than the Chicago Cubs. I'm just saying. And the Kansas City Royals. They yeah, both I was have about to say, not off the back <laughs> of a napkin, Barlow has eight or nine saves or something like that. Yeah. Usually, sometimes these... Bad teams are a good source for saves because when they win, they don't win by that much. 
So they need a safe situation. It's just and they have the same guy doing it too. Yes, yes, yeah. They like to bump up trade value too before the trade. Remember David Robertson on the Cubs last year? The other twenty or so saves before the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah, they know what they're doing. All right, you got a non-reliever, so I always appreciate it when we actually can at this stage in the year we can find guys on the wire who can help you with these ratios in going the long, going the distance as a starter. So talk to me about at least JP France as an option here for your ratios. Yeah, this is just a steady Eddie, like under the radar, like underrated six innings, three runs, six innings, two runs, like every start kind of guy. And the Astros are, it seems like another win for their pitching development. He's had, he's on a, he's on a run here where in the last, month at 32 innings pitched he has a 362 era right so that's not bad for a guy that is available at least i'm looking at on a fan tracks app right now and 55 or 45 percent of the leagues he should be out there in, in shallower leagues probably own and or rostered in in leagues 15 or more just because he's been on a nice run here but he is at the cardinals next week so we're Really good place to pitch and a team that is just an absolute dumpster fire right now. I am all about JP France next week at St. Louis. Added a reliever on here late, a guy who's been really good, Andrew Nardi. I think he gave up his first run in the month and his second to last appearance, followed that up with an inning and struck out the side in his appearance. So he's been really good. I know AJ Puck's been amazing as a closer. He did just blow save, I think, on Friday. But it's become now that I think if there was anyone to be next in line where when Puck was out, it was I think Dylan Floro took the job and had a few saves there, if I'm not mistaken. I forget who else is in that bullpen there. But I think Nardi's now pitched his way basically to be next in line. He's been that, that good and is just a great relief ratios arm to stream if he is available, if you're looking to roster or reliever for a week or two. Yeah, I like the Nardi call out a lot. I like, I'm glad you added him in there as well. All these guys that we're talking about, like these relievers who are making their way up the ladder, always good to stash those, especially in your deeper leagues where you're desperate for saves. And in a pinch, you can still put them in your lineup for the week. And you, if nothing else, they're not going to hurt you. And more than likely, they're going to end up helping you. Even if it's in small incremental ways, week by week, they're still chipping away. That's why we say we chip away at those ratios week by week throughout the course of the season. All right, last category here in the pitching arena, saves. I'm just going to echo my comments about Julian Merriweather, Michael Fulmer, and Griffin Jacks as speculation, vulture save opportunities if anything happens for the guy above him. Nardi fits into that bit that into that bill as well. But you've got one other name on here worth stashing away. Talk to me about who you got your eye on possibly this week in Fab. Yeah, Daniel Hudson, I checked in a few NFPC leagues. He was drafted, so he even though he hasn't appeared yet this year, in leagues that drafted earlier. He was a name being thrown around for the Dodgers closers or at least a share of it. So he may be available in your league. Not, not to wait till he makes an appearance for him to be added or, or something like that. If I think it's, that's the way it's not just for rookies, right? If he hasn't, yeah, if he yep. hasn't to have made a debut made during a debut the season during the or season, drafted so, yep. or drafted. Yeah. So if he isn't drafted, he's not available, but there, there's a lot of leagues that were early that, that he definitely would be. Check your wire there. It's, it could be worse than that. He's out on a rehab assignment now. And I know that Evan Phillips has settled in. He got another save tonight. But it seems like they 
do everything they can to like not have him as a closer for whatever reason, despite how bad that bullpen is. Like when I telling you, know, you they don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him when he's arbitration it, eligible. You know, I was tooting my own horn in April when he had the five saves and he's on my ball. He's very good. So he's awesome. He's awesome. <laughs> they just don't use him for that many saves until this last week recently. It was so frustrating in a saves only league to have mm-hmm. have him basically from May to through the middle of June when he essentially went like a month and a half without a save, but it's come now, but Hey, maybe they'll want to be more careful with Hudson and put him in a role. That's okay. You're going to have the ninth and Phillips has been so good. Evan Phillips has been so good in the fireman role in the past. We could use him in the more high leverage situations early and Hudson just has to worry about the ninth. Don't have to get him up like randomly as much or anything like that since he's coming back from injury and it was pretty good as his saves in his past. And, it's not the Dodgers of the past, but they're still a good team and they need the bullpen help. If they could maybe put move Phillips around and Hudson can slide into that relief role. It's funny because like in the beginning of the season, I was so high on Phillips. It's ah, nah, Daniel Hudson's not going to get, he's always hurt. Now it's okay. I moved on from Phillips in a few leagues. Like hopefully Hudson could grab a few saves here once he's back. It's scarce out there, right? It's either like, like, Lawrence on the Rockies, who's out there in every league and you don't want a roster for saves or your other option, Danny Hudson. I think I'll go with, with Daniel Hudson there. Yeah. Again, it, I'll echo what I just said to follow the money. I think Daniel Hudson yeah. moves into that role as soon as he's, as the Dodgers feel he's a hundred percent. So if they call him back up and he's like at 90%, maybe they ease him into it. But once they feel he's a hundred percent, it's his last year of his contract. They do have a club option for 2024, and he could lead the league in saves the rest of the way. And it's not gonna it's not gonna affect anything else. So something definitely keep an eye on for worth the stash, even in a little bit of a shallower league if he's still available out there. Steve, I'm gonna let you close us out here with the wild card section. I love the name you have on here, mostly because I have not been paying attention to him at all. I wrote him off after I had to drop him in a bunch of places at the beginning of the year after drafting him a little with, as I was riding the hype train along with every a lot of other people. But talk to me about who you might be grabbing if available in your league to stash for later on the season. Yeah, it's Andrew Painter and I have never left the hype train. Every time there's a little like red little dot next to his news note, I have not missed one of those all year because I have him in our Pitcherless Dynasty League that I'm a part of that started up this year. Drafted him in the first round and I'm a big tin snap, no such thing as a pitching prospect guy. That's how much I like Andrew Painter that I would draft him. It was the back end of the first round, but still. And I have him in a minor slot in a redraft league where there, we have two minor slots. So I've been stashing him because I think he is just that good. Like every pitching prospect that's come up, like they're all awesome and they've all been so good. Painter was better and more hype yes, all of yes. these guys. And he just threw a 30 pitch bullpen session on Tuesday, like a regular full bullpen session. Like it's been slow that they've ramped him up, but you know, it's the Tommy John ligament. It's like a partially torn thing that some people have pitched through. And that's what Andrew Painter's trying to do. If you want to get in on it really cheap, in leagues where he was drafted because he was drafted in early drafts like he was yeah. absolutely 100% drafted so he's out there in a lot of player pools especially if you drafted before there was news in spring that he had the elbow injury but he's slowly ramping up a 30 pitch bullpen the next step is going to be hitters and then potentially a, a rehab assignment and there was talks that he was going to be in the rotation out of spring that's how good he was the Phillies are back in it so they'll need him and this guy's so good that he could be valuable even if he isn't a starter. 
April, May, Spencer Strider-esque. That's how good this guy's stuff is. And it's worth it if you have a slot, if you have an IL slot or a minor slot, or you're able to stay, if you have a reserved stash spot, your NFBC weekly leagues, like it could be worth it to, to throw a few bucks on him this week and just see what happens over the next month or so. Cause you know, it's timing out maybe after the all-star break, if he's doing bullpen now and hitters next week, if that's the progression, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. If you want him for a buck, this is the week to start yes. doing that. Yes. And as we see more of those little red dots and more news, that buck turns into five bucks. It turns into like 10 O'Neal bucks. Cruz et cetera, et cetera. went last week for four bucks yep. too in the main event. So, so he went in one of my leagues. I'm not in the main event, but yeah. he went in one of my yeah, other yeah. shallower leagues right. yeah. as well. It's going to happen. Do it. We talked, we started talking about stashing Trevor's story three weeks ago. So yeah. it's, things move along. All right. That there's a lot of great players that we talked about today, Steve. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me here. Make sure you are listening to Steve and Van over at Wins Above Fantasy every Thursday, like we've mentioned on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. But that is going to wrap it up for episode 120 of On the Wire. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80 Grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasting Kevin. Of course, follow the pod itself at On the Wire Pod. I'd like to once again thank our guest Steve Giswelli for joining us this week. Follow him at Stav S T A V eight eight one eight on the Twitter. After all that, I am Adam Howe on behalf of Kevin Hastings. Thanks for listening, and we bid you goodbye.